I think, and, and I'm sure that many entrepreneurs can feel this way, that the natural convention of life just didn't seem to work for me. Not that I, I wasn't smart, but going to school and, you know, sitting in homeroom and, sure. and wasting time. It felt at times that I was wasting time in high school. You know, I, I had two to three jobs at any given time throughout high school. And I understood, you know, how when you work, you can get money and and how the world, you know, I started to experience, you know, making money and, and doing different things. And it just seemed like, why am I learning calculus when I don't believe I'm going to do this with the rest of my life? This is the Own It Show, where we tell stories of how everyday people made ownership theirs. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Own It Show. I'm your host, Justin Rothling Schofer. And if you're new here, I highly suggest that you go back and take a look at the past 250 episodes because there's amazing people, there's amazing content, amazing lessons that can ultimately take you from where you are, a life at the fault, to a new place, something different a life by design, because that's how we were meant to live. We were meant to be in a state of optimization. We were meant to be in a state of conviction and just feel what it feels like to be elevated. And if there's anything throughout this podcast or anything else that you hear uh, in any of the other shows, please feel free to leave a comment, leave a rating, or share it with somebody else, because that's the way that we grow. That's the way that we reach. That's the way that we teach. And ultimately, that's the way that we empower other people around us. So as we step in today, I could not be more excited. I met this uh, beautiful lady at a John Maxwell event, actually. It was uh, about four months ago now, I think, something to that point. And it was really John Maxwell bringing together uh, a group of high-impact leaders, people who are stepping out in conviction, stepping out in faith, stepping out with a mission and a message that they want to get out. And at the moment I met her, she was, and you guys know what I think about this word, but she was different. And when I noticed this level of different in her, I wanted to get to know her. I wanted to understand what made her tick, why she showed up in these ways. And the more that I learned about her story, the more that I learned about how she operates, how she does business, how she raises her family, how she stands for her business and the people that she serves. I just knew I needed to expose you all to uh, to her. So um, Rachel James, it is a pleasure to bring you on to the Own It Show. And I just thank you so much for spending time with us today. I'm so excited to have this conversation today. And um, what a great experience we had earlier this year. Um, it was great to meet you there. And I thought great things of you too. It was really, really cool to sit in that room and get to meet all these like wonderful and inspiring people. But um, Justin, I think same of you, it just, you really, I think of some key moments where you really stood out as a, a leader and as a, a person of impact. So I'm excited to have a conversation today and, and to own it. I love it. Uh, Rachel, the, the, you talked about this concept of leadership and um, you stand out as such a leader in, in every facet in the way that you operate. Has you, have you always felt like a leader in, in your life? Have you always been in a space of influence? Have you always found yourself in a leadership position? Um, starting off as like, as, as a young girl, um, have, have you found yourself in that area or is that something that you've kind of grown up to, to, to take on and, uh, and embody in a different way? I think I have in a weird way, not that I was trying to be a leader, um, but the, the things that I was called to do that I had interest in kind of pushed me into that space. So for me, uh, I started my career as a mechanic, which for most 
you know, young women is not a traditional path, but it was something that I really enjoyed and really loved. And, you know, early 2000s, late 90s, there just weren't many women in those roles. So it, I think, did force me to sort of be a leader and and represent uh, in a different way. So um, not that I was even trying to be cool or to do anything. Um, it just was sort of, I, I knew that that's what I was meant to do and kind of followed that for a period of time in my life. And interestingly enough, um, learned early on that leadership is a responsibility Mm -hmm. that you have impact and influence beyond what you realize. Um, and that was something I learned, you know, early at like 18, 19, 20, that, you know, how I showed up and how I acted represented, um, myself and others and, uh, really opened my eyes to how much influence we have, even when we don't feel like it. You don't necessarily have to have the leader title, right? To be a leader. I hear that all the time. And I think it's so true. It, you can be in all different facets of your life professionally or in your family or with your friends. And I guess for me, it, 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 I've been pushed a lot of times into leadership roles uh, without the title and with the title. Yeah. I wanted to come back to something that I think I don't want you to skip over listeners, because when I said that Rachel was bold and (laughs) Rachel was different and Rachel was unique and that she had a calling on her life that she stepped into and that she owned and took ownership of, she was a mechanic. That's where she started her career. And if you think about it, I don't know the last time that you've gone and gotten your car worked on or you've gotten anything done and you found a female in the, the garage or the workshop or wherever it was that they were operating. And so I would love to know the story, Rachel, that, um, cause I'm sure there's a story there and a story and a calling that ultimately brought you into that space and allowed you to be bold and take ownership of this and, and stand out in such a powerful way. What is the story that kind of led you into this space and this career at, at such a young age and just in determining that? I think. And, and I'm sure that many entrepreneurs can feel this way, that the natural convention of life just didn't seem to work for me. Yeah. Um, not that I, I wasn't smart, but going to school and, you know, sitting in homeroom and, sure. and wasting time. It felt at times that I was wasting time in high school. Um, you know, I, I had two to three jobs at any given time throughout high school. And I understood, you know, how when you work, you can get money and, and how the world, you know, I started to experience, you know, making money and, and doing different things. And it just seemed like, why am I learning calculus when I don't believe I'm going to do this with the rest of my life? So I, I struggled a little bit with the convention of the general framework that I had in high school and my grades suffered, you know, I, I acted out uh, at times and all the while I grew up in a, a mechanical family. My dad was an airplane mechanic turned engineer. He worked really hard to go from the shop floor up to the office. And I think problem solving was something that we were always into. You know, we worked on things in the garage. We fixed everything in our house. We fixed, we didn't hire out. So I grew up in a very mechanical family. My friends were all into racing cars and building cars. So there was always this influence of automotive and aviation repair and when I graduated high school, I really kind of thought about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And my dad kind of sat me down. I, I tried one semester at a community college and I flunked out. I just couldn't, I couldn't sit in the room. It was like, I just can't sit still. This isn't, maybe that's high functioning ADD, but I, I don't think so. Yeah. But, um, you know, my dad just said, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And at the time, 
you know, every night and weekend was spent in a garage with my friends tinkering on something or building something. And I really liked it. And it was kind of like, well, I'm going to give that a shot. And I, you know, naive me at that time, I think thought it was just going to be a super easy thing. Um, there was some barriers and things to push through in order to make that happen. But it just was sort of this natural fit of like, that is something I really enjoy doing. I'm actually pretty good at it and I'd like to pursue it. And that's sort of how it all came about was just that it, it seemed like something that I was really interested in. I felt good about it. It was one area of my life where I felt confident and felt like, yeah, I could fix that. I can look at that engine and and come up with a solution or I can modify this or do that. So, um, it felt natural in a way. Uh, and I had to follow it. I don't know. There was just sort of this, like, I have, that's what I'm going to do. Where was the flipping point for you as seeing that as a job to seeing it as a career to seeing it as your point of responsibility and influence? Ooh. Um, probably in my late twenties. So I worked for dealerships, worked on the floor, started to learn my way through the automotive uh, distribution and, and manufacturing side of things. And I got picked up by a global manufacturer who sent me to school, sent me to night school. I got my bachelor's in business. And it was probably in my late 20s when I realized like, wow, there really aren't that many women that have followed the same track that I have. And I should probably, you know, stand up here. I started doing some work with the local schools. So mentoring young, young children, you know, high school kids, exploring blue collar trades and realized that there wasn't many people there giving back and pouring back. Um, And I just saw different opportunities in, in the blue collar industries at large that weren't being served, that it was kind of like, you know what, I think that there's a place for me here. There's a unique spot that one, I look unconventional, right? I'm not, you know, I'm not um, a man. So I, I look a little different, which I think draws attention. And if I'm really thoughtful with my messages and really thoughtful with the things that I'm talking about, perhaps there's, there's a possibility of influence. Um, and, you know, I'll be 40 here in a couple months. And I would say over the last decade, it's really time and time again, life has just shown me how this is the space that I should be in and the space that I should be helping others in this blue collar space. And there's so much work that's still left to be done, uh, both in, in the businesses and at the, the employee level and everywhere in between. There's just a lot of opportunity, I think, to support given my background in it. When you talk about leadership and being able to step into this space of influence, and obviously now you impact thousands of people in this industry and being able to help guide them through and, um, and, and really take ownership of this career. That's not just a job, but is a true career and is now a business and is moving into something that is, is changing their lives in such a powerful way. I want to go back into this concept of leadership because there's one thing in terms of how you show up for yourself, but how you show up for your family and others. And so when you think about like your priority tree, um, in the things that would fall onto your list, what is it that's first for you, second for you, third for you, fourth for you, fifth for you, what's the order in which you show up to make sure that you're able to then go and steward that and show up as a powerful leader day in and day out and, and, and own that. That's a great question. Sometimes I feel like everything's important. 
yeah. <laughs> prioritizing that um, is really important. I think family is my number one, making sure that you know, the relationship I have with my husband and my son is always healthy. And, and even with my parents, I'm very, very close with my parents. I probably talk to them every day or every other day. Um, so I, I have a high value set on family and try to incorporate time meaningful in a meaningful way. Um, but I think there's a lot of things that are important. I do, I do a lot of work with the local vocational schools to try and promote young kids exploring their path in, in blue collar trades. Uh, I'm very committed to my clients and customers and my businesses and my employees. Those are, you know, I'm very passionate about it. I'm passionate to associations and all these things. So my list could go on and on and on. And I don't know that, you know, family definitely takes the top, but what I found is creating a, an ideal calendar or having a schedule where I'm itemizing and, you know, my calendar is color coded. So I, my calendar is color coded based on the different areas of my life uh, that, you know, I have to show up in. And if my calendar, I open it up and it's all one color, then I know it's an unbalanced week and I'm not giving enough to myself or to my family or to others or, or to my businesses or, or whatnot. So I think having a, a structured calendar helps with that. So I work out in the morning. That's, you know, I got to pour into myself in order to pour into others. If I don't have energy and I'm not taking care of my well-being, then where does that, I'm just going to burn the candle at both ends. So having a, a focus around, you know, fitness and health and wellness, it's got to be in my calendar because if I don't put it in there, then it doesn't happen. And that I think is something that, that I've learned is that in all those buckets or areas where we're trying to prioritize, it's so easy to just roll right over something. But if you're intentional about it and you put it in your calendar and you dedicate time every week or every day or every month to it, you're less likely to fall short on those goals that you have for yourself and for others. It's so good because I often say uh, to people when we're when we're starting, when we're jamming and we're diving in, it's one thing to have a goal, but we don't rise to the level of our goals. We don't rise to the level of our desires. We fall to the level of our systems. And when our systems have been ultimately set up for failure, meaning lack of planning, lack of intentionality, lack of consistency, we're never going to get to what it is that our potential is. And so to your point, when you look at your calendar, show me your calendar and I will tell you your priorities because uh, so many of us schedule the work components or they we, we schedule one one dimension of our life or one one facet of what we're trying to accomplish but we forget about everything else and we do it at a convenience level and uh, another one liner I often throw out there is um, uh, pros the way that we show up as as pros in life pros will make decisions based off of commitments and conviction where Amateurs will make decisions off of feelings and conveniences. And when it's planned, when it's there, literally to your point of being able to open your calendar and say, yellow, red, green, blue, orange, purple. Well, I've actually got a pretty dynamic day. This is pretty good. My week looks pretty dynamic. My month looks pretty dynamic. Becomes pretty easy when you're looking back on it saying, am I actually facilitating my life in the right way? Because now subjectively, you can see how you feel. And have data to run off that. So I really, really love that. When you talk about health and well-being being kind of like that first thing, that major component for you, 
what what does this consist of for you? What are what has been some of your routines, rituals, habits that you've developed for yourself to give yourself the capacity to be able to show up as this leader, um, leader of your household, leader of your family, leader of your business, leader of people? What has that been? What what does that actually look like for you? I think first uh, is quiet time. You know, I, I like to get up in the morning and I, I get up before everybody else. I have a cup of coffee and I sit, we have a screened in porch and I just sit. My dog usually comes to join me. It's sort of this routine. <laughs> if I'm late, the dog's kind of looking at me like, what's going on? Um, and it, maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's 15 minutes, but I like to just sit with my thoughts and think about what I'm going to do for the day. Like mentally, I'm kind of running through what I want to achieve, like what is the end of the day going to look like and, and almost visualize like what success is for the day. Um, and that's, you know, maybe 15 minutes and then it's getting ready, you know, go to the gym. I work out. Um, I've been trying to work out a little bit more actually lately just cause I've gotten a little bit better balance with things in my life. So I'm really trying to make an intention of either sauna time or workout lifting, cardio, whatever it may be, but an hour of something that's getting my body moving and stretching and moving in a different way. And, um, that's usually how I like start my day. I also try to look for opportunities throughout my day just to pause. It's usually very busy. I mean, I will admit, you know, by the time, you know, my son's off to school and work has started for me, it's usually, there's a lot of moving parts in any given day, but trying to map out where am I going to take more time just to think. I think that's the troubling part for entrepreneurs and leaders and owners is that it's so easy to work in the business that you're not working on the business. So I usually have intentional time once a week just to work on the business. And that might be strategy, that might be marketing, that might be doing this or doing that. But um, that's definitely something that maybe not every day, but certainly once a week, I'm trying to strategically think about like, where am I moving the ships to, right? Like, where am I? Cause it, I, I kind of feel like I'm the steward of my businesses. And if I'm not sure. thinking about where I'm going, it's so easy to get off track and wind up somewhere you didn't really want to. So constantly recalibrating that directionally. I love the intention in which you act and which you behave, because at the end of the day, I, I often say the definition of performance is the capacity and desire to intentionally and consistently behave at a level equal to your potential. And so the intentionality and the consistency of which you're able to show up is just an indication of the system that you've built, which is really powerful. And so I think as people start hearing this from you and they're like, oh my gosh, she color codes her calendar. Uh, she color codes it daily. She color codes it weekly. She color codes it monthly. She's got a system she's able to go through. I want you to get really granular for me hmm. and our audience as to what does this look like? Like, how do you do this? Because I can see people hearing this going, I love this idea, but I have no clue where to start. I have no clue how to lean in. I have no clue how to do this. And I'd love for you to break it down for our audience as to, okay, what does this look like when you're playing? Like, do you have a set day that you do it? Do you have a reflection time on your week? Do you have a reflection time on your month that's passed and then coming up? How far in advance do you go? Do you do things on repeat? Do you use technology? Do you use hand and paper? Like, what does this look like so that they can ultimately say, I like this. I want to replicate this in my life so that ultimately 
my intentionality and my system that I'm building, the, the priorities that I have can actually be reflected by that in my calendar. Yeah. So on a daily basis, I always look at my numbers. So there's certain metrics, you know, I use a CRM system for one of my businesses. So I'm looking at what are the metrics that I've populated over the past week. And, you know, what do I need to do for the, you know, for this week in order to get whatever those weekly goals are. So I have some different metrics in any given week where I'm really just trying to track like, okay, if I'm here, this is where I need to get for Friday in order to get that. So that's something every day on the first. So just yesterday, the first of the month, I'm looking at my PL, I'm looking at my balance sheet. I'm looking through my numbers. Oftentimes I feel like business owners can get in this trap of benchmarking their business nationally or to others. And I think that that while can be helpful, doesn't necessarily represent your own business. So I like to benchmark my numbers to myself because I categorize things and put things the way I like them to be. And and I don't know what other people are doing, but I do know how I'm categorizing things. So like if let's say, you know, marketing for some reason was a higher expense for me than it was every other month, that's an outlier that I can identify pretty quickly. And either I know why I spent more on marketing or there's something unexpected that happened in the business that I need to adjust for. So on a monthly basis, you know, I'm, I'm making sure receivables have been paid. I'm making sure things are going through in that direction. I'm looking and studying actively my P and L. And if you don't know what to do, I think oftentimes owners kind of don't understand what they're looking at. Just start looking at it. There's this um, really cool study. I mention it all the time. It's called the Hawthorne effect. And it was in the 1950s, this electric company that wanted to improve their production. And they hired a third-party company. They came in and analyzed their workers. And ultimately, like the derivative from that study was that when these people came on with their lab coats, everybody worked harder and the output was improved just because of observation. So, you know, what that tells me or the data that I derive from that is, okay, if you're just looking at your, your stuff. doesn't even matter if you know what you're looking at or not, but if you just look at it, you're more likely to behave better because you looked at it. Yeah. So that, that would be my advice to the listener that maybe isn't as in tune with it, but just start studying your stuff. Um, and if you don't know what stuff to study, just start measuring. Um, on an annual basis, at the end of every year, I write a vision statement of what the following, it's almost as if it was a diary entry of the following like year. So like come this December, I will write a vision statement as if it's December of 2024, reflecting on all the things I accomplished. And I'll write through personal things, financial things, business things, goals, directions. And I, that's probably a half day of really thinking about like, what do I want? What is my purpose? What is my mission? What do I want? You know, 12 months from now, what do I want to sit back on and reflect that I've achieved? And that I write it out. Um, it's, it's a handwritten thing. It's a piece of paper, something that I pull out and read and look at. Um, and I, I usually read it out loud um, and even put like post-its. Like if there's certain like big ticket items that are in my vision statement, I put it on a post-it and I have it on my computer. That way there's just this subliminal messaging to me that that's an important goal um, for my business or my family or, or otherwise. Uh, I think also once a month 
you know, I have a business partner in one of my businesses and, and we get together and talk about different things. I have business coaches uh, that I have for different parts of my life um, that we talk about different things and, and work on different things. But I think that's kind of, I mean, really it's every time I'm sitting down in my dedicated time for the business, it's either thinking through what my marketing strategy is going to be for the following year. How much do I want to build in the next year? Like, do I want to add more staff? Do I not? Do I want, you know, I'm methodically thinking through the different components of my business and how I want to move those chess pieces forward. So when the other piece that like comes around with this, that I'm, that I'm curious about for, our um for our audience is when you start to talk about like your um your personal time or things that continue to kind of keep going and the things that you do to you to allow yourself to show up in the way that you do on a consistent basis like your workout time or your breath work time or your uh, your quiet time in the mornings i'm sure those are going to be different colors than the yeah. office time or the strategy time or all of that so do you look ahead at the previous month and uh or is there one time a year that you go and uh fill in your calendar across the board so that it all fills in mm-hmm. And it's just staying there. You don't have to think about it. And then maybe on a monthly basis, you go and you reflect on how the last month went. And then you're changing potential systems, habits, frameworks as to the months coming up. Or how does how does that work in terms of really making it sustainable in that depth of, of structure and organization? Yeah. So on my calendar, I kind of have a block out that, you know, meetings don't start until 930 and they stop at four o'clock. Now there could be an exception to that rule if it's something that's really important, but it's got to be, you know, something that aligns with my mission, that aligns with my my goals, that's going to help my business. You know, it's got to be really important to infringe on those boundaries. And then, you know, I, I do put, you know, breaks for food and breaks for things. So there's, you know, there's a workout, uh, in my calendar every morning that's like in there and nothing can get blocked over. But I also strategically think through, so like, for example, last Friday, I took my mom out for a tea. Like we, there's this cool Boston public library has a tea lounge that you can, it's so cute. It's this little tucked away thing. And I blocked off three or four hours for time with my mom just to like hang out and chat. So some of it too is about strategically and like thoughtfully looking at the calendar ahead of like, where am I going to insert my family in odds special? Because what I think is cool about being an owner is you don't have to work nine to five and you don't have to work your life away. So it, you know, is it spending a morning with my son and changing up my routine to take him to breakfast and do something totally different for that morning for him to make it special? Or is it, time to take, you know, my son for a fun adventure on a, uh, an afternoon or whatever. So I'm also thoughtfully just looking through where can I break up those systems to give myself something to look forward to and something different. I usually block off, um, school vacations so that those are off that, you know, that I'm not like infringing on those things. Also intentionally blocking off vacations and time for me and my husband, like, okay, when can he and I go out on a date just for us, Um, which is definitely structured, but I, I feel as though if I don't structure it in, I'm so busy that I won't have those, you know, as I would love to live by the seat of my pants, but I'm just too busy. So I feel like making sure that I'm committed to making sure those things happen 
is better than not doing it. It's so funny that you mentioned that because I think oftentimes as entrepreneurs and as business leaders, we uh, we're like, I don't want to feel so structured and so rigid, but the structure doesn't necessarily mean rigidity. There's massive flexibility and structure, but having to constantly make decisions keeps you constantly behind the eight ball. You're constantly chasing and it's mm-hmm. never just, Oh, okay. I have this gap that exists here. Oh, I have this break that exists here. I have this time off that exists here. And there's nothing worse than opening up your calendar on a Monday morning and seeing that you're booked from 8.30 to 7 on calls and on meetings. And then you realize that uh, it's the same through the end of Friday and your son or daughter has a state championship game that starts at 4 p.m. on a Wednesday. And you're just like, well, I don't know how I'm going to get there. It just hasn't. It's not possible. It's just no way to do this. And I think oftentimes as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as these, these leaders in these different areas, we think that because we can work anytime, it turns into walk, working all the time. And where we can work anywhere, we become working everywhere. And so instead of having boundaries that are set and processes and prioritizing this, this is why I asked you about your priorities, because um, a system that my wife and I use that it's been incredible is we have these, these holding spots, right? And so you talk about this for, for one another and how do we stay connected and just truly, because we, we work together, we live together, we run the business together. We, uh, we, we everything together. And it's like, is there any, is there any break? Is there any gap? And so we have a weekly date night that that's on the calendar. That's on recurring. Does it always happen on Thursday night? I'd say 90% but we can move it based upon schedules and structures and what's happening. If I'm traveling or she's traveling or I'm speaking or whatever it looks like, then we've got a, uh, every quarter she has a, um, uh, surprise weekend for me and I have a surprise weekend for her. So it's alternating quarters. So we plan that in. And so I'll do that on one quarter. She'll do that on the next quarter. So that's just a surprise little weekend. And then, uh, twice a year we do these, uh, uh, three-day getaways. And on these three-day getaways, we're looking at the next six months and it's more of like a planning event like this three days. So the first day of that three days is always planning for the next six months. What does this look like? What worked for us? What didn't? What do we need to change? And there's obviously some business talk in there, but a lot of it is personal and stuff like that. And then once a year, we have a 10-day getaway where we shut down. There's no business. There's no phones. There's no email. There's no nothing. And that's already in play and already on the calendar. And so those things allow us to no longer have this, oh, I'm chasing it mentality, but rather everything that you desire begins to start chasing you. But it starts with your system. It starts with your process. It starts with your intentionality. It starts with what you're putting on the calendar. What are you blocking? And so I love how you talk about the just the intentionality and the consistency and and how you show up. And that's ultimately why um, you're able to get the results that you do and and in this way. So I just really appreciate and honor what you've been able to do and what you've been able to put together um, in that process. As you, as you kind of alluded to um, where, where can people find you? Where can people get a hold of you? Where can people learn more about you and, uh, and, and your business and how you can help them in all of these different capabilities? Yeah. Um, I'm on just about every social platform. So my maiden name was scary, um, spelled S K E R R Y. So my Instagram handle is scary spice naturally. I mean, it seems like the only choice. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> and then I have Torque Financial Group is, um, you know, my financial practice that's on LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn personally. So you can kind of, if you search Rachel James, it comes up usually. So I love it. Um, love it. But yeah, I would love to connect to anybody. You know, it's always great making new connections. You just never know where things would go. So I would love to interact and learn more from the people that you're connected to, Justin. So good. So good. The other question I always ask and uh, kind of how I'd like to wrap up the show is for somebody who lives a life of ownership, somebody who lives a life of intentionality and consistency, what is the definition of ownership to you? Doing what you're going to, what you say you're going to do. So if you say you're going to do something, do it. But also having the confidence to own it. I think for many people, there's this apprehension of putting yourself out there or, oh, I don't know, what will people think with this or what will people think about that? Um, But ultimately, you're on whatever path you're meant to be on for a reason. And if you're not owning it, then who will? Right. So I, I think that the, in my mind, when I think of ownership, it's you're claiming your stake. You're claiming what you want in your soul, regardless of what you think others may think of it. You're, you're putting yourself out there firmly and knowing that maybe it's not going to be easy, uh, but you're going to do it anyways. So good. I love that. It's there, there's that confidence of just saying, Hey, this is my standard. This is the line that's in the sand. This is what I'm working with. And I don't care what anybody says because I've got this connected calling and this connectivity that nobody can understand. And I'm taking ownership of that. It's, it's, it's so, so good. The other thing, I know you've got a podcast out there um, that uh, everybody can kind of dive into and, and listen to. Um, what's, the, what's the title and name of that? Yeah, The Entrepreneur's Club is a podcast that we've had going for a while. Um, it's just a collective group of people that get together. I have... Um, Rachel's room is another thing that I I do as well that connects entrepreneurs and and really both came from COVID when we didn't have, you know, I I loved going to, you know, what we went to for the John Maxwell thing earlier this year was like so um, wonderful. And I used to, you know, do those things all the time. And then when COVID hit, I'm in Massachusetts, so there was nothing. <laughs> there was there was absolutely nothing to go to. So it was really just a place for me and my peers to get together and, and listen to someone who's positive and you know influential and and speak really cool things. And that's really what drove both of those projects, uh, really to just connect thought leaders and people that are inspiring together. So good, I love it. So guys, as you go forward, as you really lean into this now, I I, I suggest that you take a look at your calendar. And why do I say that? It's not because I want you to um, get overstructured or overstimulated or over obsessive about any of these things, but to give yourself a check and say, hey, what are my top three or four priorities? And is my calendar reflective of what it is that I say that it is? Because the definition of ownership that we're talking about when we talk about what Rachel talks about, it's do what you say you're going to do. And if we fail to create the systems or the structure that allow us to lean into that, there's no ownership there. And we're going to fall short of everything that we're trying to do, whether that's simply get a better relationship with your son or daughter, a better relationship with your spouse, grow your business, get in better health, whatever that looks like, it starts with you. And so there has to be intention in your calendar. And at the end of the day, setting boundaries with what you're available for allows you to make 
your yes mean more. Because the more you say yes to, the less your yes means. And so I want you to really step into that, hear that, know that the responsibility that you have as a leader is not just to go and serve others, but is to also pour back into yourself and create structure and routine so that you can be the best version of yourself because they who you serve deserve the best version of you. And we know that ownership is the way there. Success is different. So own your different. And we'll see you guys next week. <music> 